Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the temporary Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And I, I forgot to record. Because <laughs> um, you, you know I try to post before midnight. Um, and I had insomnia and I couldn't figure out why. And then it suddenly dawned on me. I probably have insomnia because I didn't record like I was supposed to. <laughs> um, so here I am. Um, we're going to start today with a very sad story. Um, Gloria Vanderbilt has passed away at the age of 95. Now, some people will say that's a, you know, a nice long time for anyone to live. And they're, they're right. I mean, 95 is a really, really decent age. Um, you typically... you don't live that long but um she was lucky enough and you know obviously sorry there I did not think I was close enough to the street for you guys to hear that um typically people are not living till 95 um so it takes a very special person to do that Obviously, she has Vanderbilt money. Um, but that's actually only part of her story. So, first let's talk about what Anderson Cooper said. Um, he said when the, doctor, when the doctor told her she had cancer, she was silent for a while. And then she said, well, it's like that old song. Show me the way to get out this world. Because that's where everything is. She was ready to go. Um, and he seems to be holding up fairly well uh, you know well, as well as you can expect someone who just lost their mother to hold up you know it's not necessarily fair to, to make that comparison I suppose but um, so a little bit about Gloria's life she was born to um, Gloria and uh, let me find his name. Uh, she was a great, great, great granddaughter of Cornelius um, Vanderbilt. And I cannot find her father's name. Um, anyways, her father died shortly after she was born, leaving her to her mother, obviously. Well, her aunt... Um, Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney who founded the Whitney Museum here in New York, decided to fight for custody of little Gloria. And mom and sister-in-law went back and forth quite a few times, including allegations of abuse and lesbianism and all that kind of good stuff. Um, 
And ultimately, Gertrude was given custody. But not before the press declared Gloria Vanderbilt the poor little rich girl. Um, Which I didn't realize was the first time that that had been coined. Uh, Anderson Cooper said it was a custody battle the likes of which the world had never seen. It was called the trial of the century, making headlines every day for months. Um, and then she would marry four times. Um, she married agent Pat DeCoco. And she accused him of beating her. And then after, after Pat, she married, um, Leopold Stokowski. And she said about him. I knew him for a week and married three weeks later. She was 21. He was 63. Um, but they were married for about 10 years. And then she married director Sidney Lumet. And then Wyatt Cooper, who was her last husband. Um, Wyatt died... Um... It doesn't say when. Uh, But, you know, everything wasn't hunky-dory for her. Um, Her son, Carter, committed suicide right in front of her. In 1988. And at one point, she was broke and lost her money. But luckily, she was smart enough and well-connected... Um, in the fashion industry that she was able to launch she was able to launch some um, she was able to launch some lines including a jean line that was really well received and whatnot, um, really well received and very popular um, Mandy was telling me she even had a pair of them um, and everyone on Facebook was like, oh my god, I had Gloria Vanderbilt jeans back when I was a kid, or when I was a teen, yada, yada, yada. So these were really popular, these were really big, and made her a lot of money. Um, and then she would go on to write some books, and just honestly be a socialite like she wanted. And I am going to take a break and come right back. And I'm back. So, as I always like to say, how do you know Madonna has an album coming out? Because she's out there talking about anything and everything that's trending and that will get her attention. But this time, this time I think we have to cut her a little bit of a break because... Honestly, there's no reason to doubt her. Um, I mean, we obviously we could. I just don't see why we would. Or um, what we would actually gain by doubting her sincerity this time. Um, so, 
let's start at the beginning. Madame X was released. And of course, she has to do press to, um, to support it. And, you know, there's been some revelations and stuff. But it's all been fairly typical Madonna. Meaning... We... Nothing was really surprising about what she said. And frankly, there's still nothing surprising about what she said. Um, The difference, though, is... um, Even though we're not necessarily surprised by the things she's saying, the candor in which she's talking about it is... um, Some people will say refreshing... I'm going to say it's a little bit surprising. Um, So she basically said at the beginning of her career, um, before she made any money, before she um, became the icon and legend that we all know and love, she, um, many influential um, music executives would offer to help her out, give her a song, play her song, um, get the record produced, but she would have to do something sexual in return for them. And um, Madonna, being who she is, wanted to play by her own rules. So that's exactly what she did. Um, Here's what she said. I would say there were plenty of situations where men were wanting to abuse their power. I was a starting out artist begging for help and I would go to people who ran labels or influential DJs saying, can you help me out? Can you listen to the song? Can you hook me up? Can you sign me to your record label? And a lot of people said, yeah, if you'll do this. And usually it was a sexual favor. And... Again, with her typical candor, she says that it wasn't always easy saying no. Here's what she says. Oh yeah, for sure. And there was one time where I was so broke and I was so sick of being broke, I thought, wait, could I do it? But I didn't do it in the end. I couldn't. And she says that she couldn't look herself in the mirror after that. And that's why she didn't do it. Um... And then, of course, we all know how the how the story ends. She gets signed, and um, she becomes a billionaire, basically. And here's what she says about that. Ironically, I was signed by a gay man who didn't want anything to do with me in that way, and he really just appreciated my music. And it, you know, honestly, that's not surprising. And it also speaks as to why she's been such a huge LGBTQ supporter for so long. Because there was one who supported her from the very beginning. And she probably wanted to return that favor. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where... We love Madonna, Madonna loves us, and what could be better than that, honestly? 
Um, it's a mutual love, a love based on respect and um, a, a love based on respect and um, just wonderfulness. Um, and I'm gonna go and r- come right back because my brain is not working. And I'm back. So things keep going from bad to worse for Cuba Gooding Jr. He was, of course, accused of molesting a woman at a Manhattan bar over the weekend. Uh, we, we talked about that. He was charged with um, sexual assault. And... You know, the thing is, he, oh, he of course denies the charges. And I wouldn't expect anything less of him. Um, if, if, he, if he accepted it or if he said, yeah, I did it, I think I would be a little bit surprised. Um, but a, a woman after that came forward and said, hey, you know, he did the same thing to me. And another woman, Claudia Oshry, who is an Instagram model, came forward and said, hey, yeah, me too. He did it to me. Um, and here's the thing, like, people, uh, people will always try to take the side of the, um, the predator. But, at some point, we have to stop and say, hey, there are way too many people who are making these allegations for them not to be true. You know, in, in the case of Claudia Ashri, she gives a detailed account of what happened. Here's what she says. She was talking to some Morning Toast podcast, and she said, "At the end of the, at the end of the day, I don't know if I've ever considered myself to be like a sexual, a victim of sexual assault because I'm not. But yes, when I was in high school, I was fucking 16 years old. Cuba Gooding Jr. put his finger up my butt, and I went wild, or I felt wild. Like I felt, I don't even know what the right word is, and it's like just become like a part of who I am." It's part of my story. And so she's 24 now. At a later point, she says that it's been 10 years. I don't know if that's just her rounding up or um, if she's trying to spare him some trouble. I I highly doubt that she's trying to spare him trouble. I mean, you you heard just the, even the first part. That does not sound like um, someone who wants to save their alleged attacker from being charged with a crime. Um, you know, she, she's going hard at him, like, harder than what I was expecting, to be honest. Because most of the time, it's, oh yeah, he did this, but, you know... And nothing ever comes of it. Uh, and I don't think anything's going to come of it this time either. Um, set the statute of limitations may be up. 
But in any case, here's what... Here's more of what she said. At least once every show, someone come, someone who comes up to me, they're like, Oh my god, me and my friends were at a club, and the same thing happened to me, or the same thing happened to my friend. This is not the first time that I've heard about... Heard. But this is the first time that I've heard that the police are involved. Good on this girl, because... How many fucking people is he going to grow up before one of them calls the police? Mine was 10 years ago. And again, that's why I say I'm not sure quite where um, that lands. Um, because she is 24, and but she's saying it happened 10 years ago, so I'm not... I, you know, I don't know 100% for sure what that means or what's up with that. It could just be, a, a, like I said, a simple um, rounding up just for easy math. But Mark Heller, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s attorney, says not so fast. Um... He said Cuba has no knowledge as to who this woman is and certainly knows something like that never happened. That is one of the weakest denials I've ever heard. Um, It's akin to Mariah Carey saying she didn't know who Jennifer Lopez is. When they shared a manager, they shared a record label. And you know damn well that each knew who the other was. They just didn't want to talk about it. And we don't want to talk about this, but I'm going to take a break and come right back. And I'm back. So, the news broke yesterday that Suzanne Collins is indeed going back to the Hunger Games well. Um, She's going to be writing a prequel to the hit Young Adult series set... um, approximately 65 years before the event of the original Hunger Games. Um, and... I, you know, I don't know how to feel about this. First, let me read her statement. She says... With this book, I wanted to explore the state of nature, who we are, and what we perceive is required for our survival. And then she says, the reconstruction period, 10 years after the war, commonly referred to as the Dark Days, as a country of Panem, struggles back to its feet, back to its feet, provides fertile ground for characters to grapple with these questions and thereby define their views of humanity. Um, you know, we, I... When I say we, Will and I give J.K. Rowling a lot of shit because she can't seem to leave the Harry Potter verse alone. You know, she's constantly changing something up or this character was gay or this character was black or, you know, this character was a disabled black character and where's my medal? (laughs) For the record, she's never actually said where's my medal that I know of. Um, but, 
you know, she keeps changing the backstory and keeps changing all of these things about Harry Potter. And every time she does, the series loses a little bit of its magic. Now, I'm not one that's that's precious about Harry Potter or anything like that, really. But at some point, you do have to ask yourself, when is enough enough? When can you start to say, hey, not cool, man, not cool. Like, leave this shit alone and let let people just enjoy it for what it is. You know, when she first revealed that Dumbledore was gay, it kind of made sense. She'd done enough hinting at it that I don't think anyone really questioned whether or not she was telling the truth. But then, and this is when I started questioning, um, when she said that Hermione was always intended to be black. But nowhere in the... Nowhere in the description did she say that Hermione was black. And, I mean, she never had a problem specifying race with any of the other characters. So, what was it about Hermione that she just couldn't come out and say, Hey, she's the black character. Um, And honestly, my best guess here is... Hermione wasn't black. Uh, Hermione probably... She probably decided Hermione was black right around the time they casted a black actress as Hermione in um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And again, you know, no one's going to take that away from her. If that's what she wanted, if that's what she intended, fine. But she should have made it clear that that's what she intended instead of um, threading us along. Um, you know, and she had a lot of power over the Harry Potter movies, so why not have an actress of color cast as Hermione if that's indeed what was supposed to happen? Now, she, you know, she says, oh, we just cast the best best actresses that we could find at the time. Which again, negates everything she's saying and doing. Um, But back to Suzanne Collins. Um, Her returning to Panem could be a really good thing. You know, the Hunger Games are a great series of books. Um, I read them in a weekend. Mandy read them really fast. Dave read them really fast. Um, So the fact that all three of us were able to read them and be engaged with them speaks volumes to her talent as a writer. And I know you all know what is coming. And here it is. But, this could also turn into a Stephanie Meyer situation where you go back to the well one too many times and it it really just doesn't do anything for anybody anymore. Um, I, we're going to find out on May 19th, 2020, when the prequel hit the bookshelves. And until then, well, not until then, I will be right back. And I'm back. And final segment today, 
we're going to talk some Bella Thorne. And I just want to let you guys know, on Saturday, we're going to do a deep dive into the Bella Thorne story, including a huge new piece of this that has come around um, and come out. So make sure to stay tuned um, for Saturday, where you will hear um, the newest piece. Well, maybe not. It won't be the newest piece by then, but um, a really big piece of the puzzle. Um, And it'll kind of help explain some things that we're going to talk about today. So Maud's son is trying to clear his name, allegedly trying to clear his name. He says he doesn't know what Bella is talking about. You know, this is all on her. She, you know, he doesn't have her stuff. And the only reason why she's saying he does is because she wants the press. Here is what Maud has to say. Um, first he says she's just lying to keep her name in the press. And then he said, I want to clear my name. All three of those things aren't at my house. Those three things would be her laptop, her passport, and her wallet. The day after we broke up, she left my house with two things, a guitar and a laptop. And then he says that her team showed up and picked up some more of her stuff. He continued to say she alerted... uh, One of his reps, I'm sorry, said she alerted him around 11 on June 5th and someone from her team picked it up midday on June 6th with 24 hours, within 24 hours of requesting it. And Maude says he never even had her wallet. I don't want to look like the bad guy. I am down to be open and honest and transparent. If I fucked up or done shit, I will be an open book. But she is just lying. It's really hurtful. Sun said Thorne's team has since sent him a list of her things that they claim that she has and that none of it is a wallet passport or laptop it's like a Fendi jacket vintage clothes and Chanel lamp I bought her I'm not trying to take her Christmas presents there are six garbage bags of like brand name clothes in the wrapping that she never she has never worn that I gathered over a week and then then he tries to turn the table on Bella and says hey no, 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 no. I don't have anything of hers. She has it. stuff of mine. She has stuff of mine, really nice clothes. I'm a pretty stylish motherfucker. I have to clear my name now. I am really moving on. I am 36 days sober. I am doing great. She threw that claim out there to keep the whole press thing going. She's calling me hungry, but she is the one that wants the, that attention. Okay, so... It's one thing to want to clear your name, and I totally get that, actually. It makes sense. At least a certain amount of sense. But. There was no reason to turn around and accuse her of having his stuff. That's what makes me think that Bella's actually being honest here. Um, the fact that he felt the need to run to the press and say, hey, no, 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 no. I'm the innocent one. I'm the good boy. 
and she's this evil harlot who broke my heart and whatever. Um, you know, first of all, I, and I, should, I should have said this. Good on him if he's actually 36 days sober. That's amazing. But, but it does not negate him acting like a jerk over this whole breakup. The way to stop this would have been to let her get her things instead of calling the cops on her. You know, you don't want people to think you're a bad guy. Don't do things like that. Maybe you don't want to see her, and I get that. But you can say, get your things and get out of my house. There was no reason to call the cops. That tells me he's trying to milk this for all it's worth, too. Or he's being a petty boyfriend who's jealous because his ex has moved on and, you know, now she, now she doesn't need him anymore. She, you know, uh, that sounded shitty of me to say. Um, but it's true. Like, if we sat down and thought about it, that's basically what's driving him. Bella doesn't need him. She is, for all intents and purposes, letting him know at this point that she's done. You know, she's moved on. She has a new boyfriend. And a new boyfriend who looks exactly like Maude, by the way. I know I said this before, and I'm going to keep harping on it because boy looks just like Maude. Like, I get it. Girl has a type. But damn, girl has a type. Um, oh, I I should be more serious, but no, that's not gonna happen. Um, y'all would y'all would not be listening to me if I got super serious. Um, I honestly, it's really hard to take sides in this because. No one is telling the complete story of what happened or why it happened. What we do know for sure is this. Bella has um, moved on. She has made the allegations that he is keeping her things from her. And, and Maude has done nothing to change that storyline in fact I would argue he's done everything in his power to reinforce that he is trying to keep her stuff and um, that he is not being as gentlemanly as he is claiming he's trying to be the big question I think we need to ask ourselves is why what is he going to gain out of this besides more publicity? For that answer, make sure you stay tuned. Well, not stay tuned. Um, but tune in on Saturday. And we're going to talk about why he could be doing this. And um, what the end game is. But for right now, I'm going to go. I hope you all have a great day, and thank you, as always, for listening.
And until next time, cheers.